There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Yellow Block, still in quarantine. I'm Jared and I'm joined by Matt. Good afternoon. And Tim. Hello, hello. And we're delighted to be joined by Posh Chairman and co-owner Darren McAntony. Thanks for joining us, pal. How are you? I'm all right, lads. I'm a little bit fucked. You know, I've been <laughs> up all night. Um, you know, I uh, last night I went out for dinner for the first time in 10 weeks out of quarantine to a restaurant with some friends and my wife. And I thought, I was looking forward to it. I'm like, I'm going to have a good few drinks you know, instead of in my kitchen, I'm going to be in a restaurant and be able to get drunk, possibly. And and all this shit all blew up. And then it was like, you got to be on Sky Sports at, at uh, 4 a.m. with Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. Then you got the EFL meeting at half four in the morning, my time. It was obviously five hours behind. So in the end, I couldn't drink. So nine weeks in quarantine, I go out for dinner. And I'm the only <laughs> one drinking at dinner. So can you imagine now... If you're allowed out of the house, never mind getting haircuts and some face transplants by looking at some of you. Can you imagine if you if you, if you all got to go out now, you know, with your missuses, with your significant others, and you couldn't drink alcohol when you went out after being locked yeah. out for so long? It was just like you know. So yeah, I'm running on fumes, Jared. Running on fumes. I, 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 I certainly need a haircut. I'm looking like the Dulux dog at the moment. I've had to have my big headphones on to control my hair today. Listen, Paul, you've got a face for radio, so you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> he owns a radio station, Gary. You've knocked the nail on the head there. Yeah, right, there you go. I'll just like, but, but listen, this is a warning. You are not going to get my best today because I'm so jaded and tired. I mean, I tried to get an hour of sleep. And my kids are up doing their school stuff and the dog's barking. I, I, I couldn't sleep in the end. I was going fucking apeshit. You know what I mean? The dog was, was the, like um, screaming. What time barking. was the Gary Neville and the Carragher thing? Because that must have been during the night as well. Yeah, it was 4 a.m. my time. I had to log into the special Sky system to do it. And, and um, everyone does, apparently there's a noise of all these birds in the background and everyone thought it was like <laughs> for me. But if you listen to Gary Neville with that key, uh, guy the agent afterwards it's his house he must yeah. have a bird uh, sanctuary in his back garden because i was simon jordan sent me a text message you know because he loved the interview and what i was saying to obviously gary neville and he was like have you got a i don't know what he called it an, an avery or something like that it was like um to do with he says to me here we go by the way have you got an avery going on there so I had to look up what an aviary is. It's like a bird sanctuary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, fucking, what are you talking about? No, I don't. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, so I, I think it's, I think it's fair to 
I think it's fair yeah. to say none of us have got Avery's in our back garden. No. We might have oh, a I, 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 I don't have one. And it was really funny because obviously Sky got on to me last night because of the statement I put out yesterday. And Gary Neville had obviously got a bit angry on Twitter. And I got in a tip off someone I know at Sky and their, their message before I was going out for dinner last night. So my wife loved all this. And the message was, I'll, I'll read it to you, the message. Here we go. Just a heads up. Neville is coming for you big time tomorrow regarding self-interest. So I was like, I got to get up at 4 a.m. I got to be, <laughs> I got to be copus mentis. I got to be with it. I've got to like, you know, if, I, if someone's coming for me, I've got to be like at least fit and in shape, you know, to handle it like mentally. So I was like, oh my goodness almighty. But to be fair to Gary, before we went on, he was talking about Danny Lloyd. So, you know, I was, I was pulling his leg about, pulling his pants around his ankles when we did that deal. So it was all, you know, it was all nice by the time we got on air. So it all went. <laughs> yeah, anyway, life, life of a, a chairman. It's been a long, uh, long night. Before quarantine ends, our aim is to get into the iTunes top 10 UK football podcast. Um, support our campaign by leaving a review on iTunes or by sharing the podcast with a posh fan. Dara. You're already into that top 10. How are you enjoying the world of podcasting? Yeah, to be fair. I mean, it's just me talking to myself, babbling. So, um, you know, I, it's kind of a good... It's therapeutic, actually. I started doing it for therapy because I was, like, mentally climbing the walls with all of this. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to just start doing this on a Friday. And um, surprisingly enough, yeah, it's got into the... You know, I think it was top five in quite a few of them. You know, never mind top 10, Jared. But, <laughs> uh, so I, uh, I, I quite enjoyed doing it, and I think people liked it. And uh, listen, if people continue to like it, I'll keep doing one every week. I, I'm not sure I'm going to get mine in today. I'm going to talk sport with uh, Adrian Durham after this, and I'm just going to be talked out by then. So to, to get an hour on my own podcast, I'm, I'm nah, I'm done. You know what I mean? I'm well, you can get you can get your swearing in now before you join uh, talk sport. You'll be all right. You know, I, I, if my missus now walked in here in her best lingerie. For the first time in 15 years, I'd probably have to say no. And that's never <laughs> happened with me. <laughs> <laughs> what, were you, what were your thoughts on uh, Gary Neville's comment about the League One event at a, you know, like a self in, self-interest self fo- festival of football, if you like? Gary's Gary. You know, he's, he's you either like him, you don't like him. I have respect for him. He's a top ex-player. Um, world, you know, world-class right back in his day, isn't he? Even though I'm a Liverpool fan. And he's paid by Sky and he needs to be controversial. And he needs to stoke the flames. He needs to have stuff to talk about. Look, at the end of the day, he's a he's a small. He's got a small share in the League Two club. He's been in the league nine or ten months, so he's new to the whole thing. I've been in it fifteen years, so with all due respect, and I'm not having a dig at him. You know, I'm trying to do what's best for my football club, obviously, my fan base, my employees, and I was trying to explain that to him today. This wasn't just about you can say self interest, but what is self interest, Jared? Um, I haven't made any money in owning a football club, so there's no self-interest financially. My my self-interest is is the health and well-being of all my employees, and I've got a lot of them there. So that that's kind of the point I was trying to get across to, to Gary. And I thought it came across okay. I, I wasn't confrontational with them. I wasn't trying to dig them out. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. It was good. Obviously, you've just had the the meeting with the football league. If the season doesn't continue or there's no season next year. Realistically, what's the worst case scenario that posh fans need to prep themselves for? It's mad. I, I, I own a football club. What is the one product we have to sell? Yeah. Anybody? Anybody? Football. Isn't it? Football. Yeah. Football. Football. Yeah. We got told when we went into isolation back in March, you know, the plans to finish the season. The government guidance tells us they want us and the Premier League to get back playing in June. We didn't furlough football players. We kept our players tra- training from home. And 
we're now finally in a position where there's light at the end of the tunnel. Things are improving. And the government want football back. And we feel we can do it safely. And there's a program put in place. And my manager's all excited on Sunday, Monday. You know, when can we get back? When we get the training ground done? And are we going to get in the COVID officer? Who's going to be the COVID officer? And how are we going to follow the 49-page mandate? You know, we start liaising with the players. The players are absolutely gasping to get back playing. And everyone's excited. And now you've got basically a lot of clubs just don't want to play football. But we play football for a living. So this is what I'm dealing with. And I understand everyone's argument about, well, we've got bills to pay and we don't want to pay for testing. But you, you, you play football. Your product's football. You sell your fans season tickets based on football. You sell shirts. You sell merchandise based on football. So if you want to go hibernate for three months, four months, five months or whatever, it makes no sense. I get the self-preservation and clubs are financially worried. We're all worried. But as for this, no football till next year. Forget about that. You know, I, I, I don't buy into that. Um, I've always been a big proponent that you, you're not waiting for a vaccine to live your life. I've said to you before, I think in a few months, a lot of these governments are going to come to the realisation the only way we're going to save a lot more lives in the long term because of the economic poverty and everything that's going to follow is that you're going to have to do a controlled herd immunity whilst protecting the most vulnerable. And that's what's going to happen in a lot of countries, I think. I think eventually you're going to have so many people rebelling against lockdowns, against losing their jobs, their houses, and their children not being in school. So this idea that we're not going to have any football till what next summer, I don't buy into. One of the things someone said to me is he's a long-term season ticket holder, but he wants to go and watch football. He doesn't want to watch it on the TV or on a PC. What would you say to people like that? And I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who would rather go and watch it live and aren't really that interested in watching it on the TV screen. What would you say to them? How would you try to get them to change uh, their mind? I would say... You know what? You must have some entertainment in your house at the moment. Because right now, I would watch Albanian football on my laptop. So I totally get where people are coming from. I get where people are coming from. But at the end of the day, if that's all we've got, if that's all we can do, if that's all we can offer to our fans, because we're not allowed to have people in our stadium, you know, what is the problem? We can't just pack up our balls and go home and not play until there's a vaccine and until our crowds are allowed back in. There's TV deals, there's income, there's players to pay, there's staff to pay. The reality is, what am I going to do? Fire 200 people. Are 200 people going to lose their jobs in Peterborough? Because some people might not want to watch football and I follow. I, I can't yeah. go down that route. So, so, so I've got hundreds of people who work for me. I had a message last night from Scarfy. You know, you've had Scarfy on the show. And it was a lovely message. He was like, Chairman, you know, we love the fight you're putting up. There's so many of us that work at the football club that are just desperate desperate for us to get back to work, desperate for us to still have a season to finish. Uh, this is our livelihoods, and we love the fact you're fighting for that. And it was nice to read that, because obviously I do get hammered a lot, you know, by people, you know, typical you, and you're not thinking of people's health, and you're not thinking about the virus. And, you know, I said the other day, you can chew gum and walk at the same time. You're allowed to talk about health, and you're allowed to talk about economy. It's okay to have both conversations. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's and, what I was going to ask you, Darren. Obviously, you've been a bit of a lone wolf with this. A lot of people, I should think, within football share your opinions, but they ain't got the bollocks to yeah, go out there and say it. Is thank that you frustrating for that. you? Because you're, you, you know, you're the one out there putting the front on and saying what massively, you need to say. Massively. My missus said to me yesterday, you know, they, you know why, why are they throwing you as the raw meat all the time? You know, at the front. You know, and she, you know because the DFL meeting today, Bob Sims rang me two days ago and he said, D, he said, um, can you be on that meeting on Friday? And I said, 
because usually the chief executive, you know, goes in the meeting. And I'm like, okay. And he said, you know, I've had seven calls today from other clubs in League One and two from the championship. And they're asking if you can go on the call. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, you know, you, you are well respected in the game. And, you know, they want to hear your opinion and they want you to kind of fight for football to be back on. So then obviously yesterday I got a phone call off the Fleetwood owner. Can you join a call with like five, six other clubs? You know, they've, they've heard me in the press. And you're right, some people have been vocal and a lot of them haven't. And it's really frustrated me because there is that element of people going, well, there's 30,000 people have died, you know, or whatever the figures, you know, very sadly. And in America, there's 80,000 people died and it's horrible. And nobody wants to talk about business. And, and I've had it on Twitter. I've had a lot of young people come at me, which, which is really like freaking me out because like young people are like the least vulnerable to this disease. You know what I mean? And coming at me like, you know, stay locked up and you stay at home and don't you dare leave your house. And even though Florida's open, you know, save lives, stay home, save lives. And I, and I went back to one of the young people and I said, um, just answer me a few questions. Do you own your own house? Do you own a business? Do you employ anybody? Do you have children that are in school? You know, if there's answers to all those questions are yes, I'll have this debate with you. If the answer is no, you're at home and you're furloughed and you're sat behind the curtains watching TV and you've got no responsibilities bar to yourself, I'm not getting into the debate with you. And this isn't a generational argument. They're not trying to have a go at young people. I have a lot of respect for them. And I know they want to do the right thing. But at the end of the day, a lot of people who have come at me in a good way are people my age who are probably a little bit more vulnerable to this. And they want to go back to work. And they want their kids to go back to school. And they want to live through this as best they can. And if they have to take risks, they're going to take risks. So I'm man enough to have the conversation. For other people in football who aren't man enough to actually come out and tell the truth, because they're all thinking what I'm thinking, and, you know, I heard a lot of those voices today and, and you know, a lot of them aren't saying that out there and they should be um, because this is the truth. You know, too many young people in particular are freaked out because they're not studying data. They're not getting the facts. They're, they're, they're reading the mainstream media and they're believing it all. And you've got the same thing over here in America. You've got the left and the right. You've got the right, which is Republicans and conservatives and President Trump, whatever else his side. And they're, we're in Florida. We're a red state and we're open. And then you've got the left, which are the blue states and the liberals who don't want to open until there's a vaccine whilst their economy burns to shit. And, you know, they're, they're losing jobs and livelihoods and everything else and 40 million people unemployed. So you can have both conversations. You can respect both opinions. But the reality is, is that the poverty that's going to follow from this is going to be horrific. You've been quite obviously vocal about your opinions since it started, as, as you touched on there. Head over heart, though, as you are at the moment, what do you think is going to be the most likely outcome to this situation? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking they're probably going to try and, you know, we'll end up getting screwed. It'll be like similar to what happened with Crystal Palace last minute. Knocked us down. This time, when we've got five home games left and nine games, so I think we're top of the form table over the last 10 games. I think we play seven at the bottom 11. You know, if you're ever going to put money on Peterborough making a run and going up automatically... But we're about to get screwed out of a chance of even playing in the playoffs. You're not going to get my best today. You know, there's a real pit in my stomach at the moment. Yeah, which is understandable. I'm I'm fighting a good fight. And, you know, I didn't want to furl my players. I don't want my staff to lose their jobs. I don't want my staff to not be able to pay the mortgages. But um, if I have to, if if we as a club can't play football for months to come, we're going to have to make some tough decisions. And I'm, I'm getting emotional talking about it, but because I care about the people who work for the football club, I care about the fans, I care about the older people that, um, that, that I speak to on the telephone. You know, people don't realise, they hear me on the radio and going on about this. Stuff. I speak to a lot of our older fans all the time. I ring them. 
you know, and I speak to them. They're on their own. They don't have husbands. They're widows. They're widowers. They're locked up. They want to get out. They want to watch football. Uh, and I speak to these people, and they're like, we even want to take the risk. We want to leave our house. We want to go and watch football. We'd still do it. Because they're like in their 70s, like my dad, and they're like, fucking, we haven't lived our life to go out like this. If we're going to go out, we're going to go out. And it's kind of like, I'm fighting for them as well. I want to give them something. Even if I gave them nine games on iFollow and a playoff run um, on TV and a Wembley run in an empty stadium, just to give some of our older fan base, and we've got, I think, over 1,200 season ticket holders over the age of 60, to give them that in times like this where they can't hug grandchildren, they can't see their kids. Fucking what a lift that would give them. And that means a lot to me. I think there's been a lot of talk about clubs sort of going down the legal path, suing the FA, suing the FL. Um, if the season was voided or it, or it turns out to something you really don't want to do, um, where would you stand on the legal point? Would it be something you would I, 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 yeah, I Yeah, because what it would be is it wouldn't be voided. They would do points per game. Points per game would screw us out of sixth position. Um, and, and we would end up out of it. They would play the playoffs. The top two would go up. Even though Rotherham are only three points clear of like six teams and they've got like a horrific run in, they would get promoted. Um, so I've already paid for a legal opinion. Myself, Jason and Randy, you know, we've got one of the best lawyers in the business. And um, she's been my lawyer for over 12 years. And I've won more cases than you guys have had out dinners with her representing me. And she got a legal opinion and it was blockbuster. So if we want to go down that route, we could look at suing, not the FA, we would sue all the other clubs who made that decision and possibly sue the EFL itself. <clears throat> Sorry, I know it's not League One. Um, I've just yeah. read about League Two. Obviously, they've mm. decided uh, that, they're, that they're calling it a day. But I've read yeah. about, obviously this, this points per game, but they're doing a weighted points per game. But are they doing that in League Two? So it said on BBC what I read, and, and they yeah. still want to do that. Didn't, that, didn't, go ahead Jared, that didn't come up today. It was more points per game. There was no thing about weighted. But if it did, now if it was weighted, would we be in on the weighted? Yes. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're so it, 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 yeah. If it's weighted because of our home form, that's deservedly so. Do you know what I mean? So that that's yeah. the right thing. I'm okay with that, but I'm also I'm not against, and this is something else. I'm I'm not against extending the playoffs to eight teams. You let the top two go up. You then get the next eight teams and you have an FA Cup-style knockout tournament, two legs, all the way to the final. And I think that would be TV knockout. And, for example, if we got all the way to the final, that would be five games. So, And, and, and you would have some big clubs in the mix there. And I think that would be something people would probably watch that more than the championship because that would be just like proper, proper football, you know, the, the season. So I'm not against that either, and I have suggested that. And um, Jason and me were spitballing earlier on models because Jason's that model guy. And we were talking about the different scenarios and whatever else. So we're, we're not against, you know, even doing that. Um, you know what I mean? So you increase it to eight teams instead of four teams. It's all about think- being completely fair, isn't it? And like I say, the one thing we have seen is obviously the championship saying that they'll go ahead. And if the League One and League Absolutely. Two seasons drop out, that's it's just bollocks. It can't I had the Brentford chief exec on to me yesterday. Not about Ivan this time, but, you know, just having a chat. He's Danish. He's a good guy, Rasmus. And he was just saying, you know, we're getting back to playing. Why aren't you? And I'm like, listen, huh. I'm like, has, there has to be fairness to the process. Because right now we're ready. We're ready. If they want us in training tomorrow, we're in. If they want us playing games tomorrow, we're in. We're ready. Really willing and able. We'll pay for the testing. We'll go ahead. We'll fulfill our obligation. We're willing and able. But the squad are happy to do that. Yes, of course they are. But unfortunately, there's loads of clubs who just can't be arsed because of the cost of it and taking people off furlough and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it's really, really frustrating. 
I think you always want to, at the end of a season, you always want the table to reflect how good you were. And no matter how (laughs) they do it, it's not going to reflect how good we were as a team. I mean, we were thinking we might finish certainly second and and had a very outside chance of finishing first. If they, if at the end of this season, we somehow finish fifth because of a waiting system, that doesn't fairly, from a fan's point of view, that doesn't fairly reflect how we've done in the season. So it's a bit pointless. Or or if they put us in seventh and they give Wickham that spot and Wickham have already won a game since Christmas. um, You know, and, and, and you know, we always say squeaky bum time, the run in in the final nine, 10 games are when you win promotions. So to be the form team in League One or one of the top three form teams, I think we won X amount out of our last 10 games. And to be in that position, lining up our fixtures, which lined up nicely, where we were playing a lot of teams near the bottom, we could see the finish line. And then to suddenly go, nah, you know what? You're done. It's a mockery, isn't it? It really is a mockery. It's a, complete, it's, it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. What, what gets me is that the fact that they're already talking about the following season and how can you talk about the next season when we've still got you know plenty of this season to go? The running, this is the time when the clubs make the money and and do the business. And just talk about next season before this one's finished is again right. just a lack of respect to all the clubs who have got some. No, it's, 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 it's all right for it's all right for the clubs who who were mid-table got fuck all to play for, and you got the teams who are, who are rooted to the bottom, like Southend and and, and other teams. I know um, yeah, because Accrington Stanley's owner, he's been quite vocal on it, and I think. It's got to be fair. I understand that, yeah, we all wanted to go ahead. Obviously, you, you for different reasons, but because we want to get promotion as well. And um, there's, there's another side of what you say with the jobs and everything else, but it's got to be fair. And that, that's, that's, that's what annoys me with it. Yeah, and that's, and that's the fight. And I'm still fighting for it, lads. I haven't given up yet. The fat lady ain't singing. So I'm still pushing. Um, the problem is you're going to need at least 51% of the vote. So um, I'm fighting. You know, it's tough. And like I said, I'm deflated right now. I'll lick my wounds later. I'll go again tomorrow. You know, it's still there. Now, listen, we can see it. We can see you, you've been put through the yeah. mill today and you do it's look today, completely yeah. emotionally and physically exhausted. <laughs> Obviously, we can see you on Zoom, but no, fair play. Kizmi, you got something coming up? Um, yeah, I've got a question here from Peter McKendrick. He asks, will season ticket holders get any form of refund? Or <laughs> Kizmi, a, a, cr- <laughs> no, 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 listen. Or a voucher for the club shop. Plus, <laughs> if next season is shorter in terms of games again, what happens to the season ticket holders? I think, before you answer that, I'm going to give you my answer because I think the majority of people will want to ensure the financial health of the club. So I think the majority probably wouldn't want to go down that route. But there are certainly some people who who would ask that question. So I just wondered what your views are on that one. Listen, I have to say, and this is a massive... You know, I've had my ups and downs with some fans on Twitter and stuff like that, but the mainstay, 99% of our fan base, has always been brilliant. And I have to say, the support... We haven't had one person email or ask for a refund on the outstanding games this season. Not one. And to see the level of support for season tickets, yeah, we haven't hit last year's target for obvious reasons, but to get so close to it is fucking... Again, I'll well up here in a minute. It's incredible from the posh fans to do that, you know, to to still buy tickets, knowing possibly they're not going to get live football in August. You know, to still go ahead and make that commitment of 300 quid or 400 quid or 500 quid. And, you know, the lady the other day, She's lost her job. Her husband lost her job. And she was emailing me, check how I am, and to tell me they bought four tickets. Now, by Jesus, 
You know, I wanted to say to her, what on earth are you doing? <laughs> I'm four tickets, you know? You know, the, the, the welfare of your family comes first. But I love that. So in, in answer to your question, we couldn't make any decision. I can't make any decision until we knew what was happening with this season. I wanted to be able to say to the fans, look, as opposed to a refund and five home games to watch, we can give you five codes to watch on iFollow and get the games. It's not quite the same. We'll give you something else as well and, and make sure we make it up to you. We'll make it up to you. For people about missing games next season, if that were to happen, and we're still semi-confident, as they're talking about, it was mentioned today, the government were saying being outdoors and being at the stadium is not like indoors or a music concert, so there's still quite a chance of having fans in September. Um, you know, and if it gets to the stage where we can't have games for fans, of course we're going to look after our fans and we're going to communicate with them and tell them. Um, and we'll give them an option. And we'll say, look, we prefer you don't make a run on us for refunds because that's not going to help the football club. We've already got a run on us from left, right and centre of all other bills coming our way in the summer. Do you know what I mean? From PAYE and pay deferrals and all that kind of stuff. So we, we are probably going to need our fans more than ever before over the next 24 months. Ever before. I'm not talking about running around with buckets for coins. I'm just, we're going to need our fans' patience. We're going to need our fans' support. We're going to need our fans to, if we have to come up with different plans with the club and what we're going to do, we're going to need our fans' love and support through that. And, and some of it might not be pretty, and some of it, some of the fans won't like. You know what I mean? But we got to do what we got to do to make sure the football club's good. You know what I mean? And, 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 and there's some of the things, decisions we have to make soon as donors. Yeah, I think as uh, I probably speak for most Posh fans, really, Darrow, when I say that we appreciate the fight that you're putting up. Like for me personally, I, I work frontline NHS and right now I would give, you mentioned about watching the Albanian Football League, I would give anything to watch any football right now just to get me out of that twilight zone yeah. I'm stuck in yeah. of working non-stop. Um, well done, Pat. Be safe. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. I mean, we, I think like all my colleagues, we're just trying to do what we can at the minute, but we would yeah. welcome something like football to give us that break. Of course, as relief. Mate, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You, you mentioned this morning on Sky Sports um, that perhaps with the gates that Posh get, it, we would probably perhaps be able to cope or wouldn't necessarily feel the impact compared to some of the clubs that perhaps get bigger gates. Do you, yeah. do you find that, I mean, obviously you've been at the club a long time now. Do you get yeah. frustrated with our, our gates? Even when we were in the championship, they were perhaps lower than perhaps what other cities our size might get. Or have you gone past that now and you accept it? No, I, no, no. Because obviously, look, I've, I've had the partners come in. And Jason has been very good on on the the initiatives and the fan initiatives and to go after the future. I, I got lazy on that. There's no doubt about it. I was dealing with you know transfers and this and that, whatever else, rebuilding squads, firing managers, all the usual stuff. And Jason and Randy have been really good where they can go, well, look, you're dealing with that. Let's put our eyes on areas that I've neglected, you know, and 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 come up with plans like the fans initiatives. And it's been really good. And I probably let our fans down in that way that I gave up a bit too quickly. And and I think it's also down to success. When you budget every season, you budget for top six. So you always budget, we're going to get X amount, seven and a half thousand average. Because I know from previous promotions, if the posture in a promotion run, the fans show up. And I was really, really positive that we got promoted. I could see us getting 10,000 average in the championship because of the size of the away clubs. Because the amount of people now that have moved into the city in Peterborough, even over the last six, seven years since we've been last in the championship, there's a lot of London commuters who would probably go to London clubs on a match day. But now if they've got championship football and they've got Leeds coming to town or they've got whatever else, they'll probably bring their families. And the other thing is the facilities. Our facilities are shit. You know what I mean? Quite frankly, you know, the, the place is a dump at the best of times. And we're doing our best to improve that. 
But still, if you ask my wife and kids to go and they see the toilets and stuff and you've got young children, it becomes very, very difficult. So there's an element of, and we did this study with the new stadium, how many families, well, I just mentioned it there, husband, wife, and two kids, where a husband will go, but there's no way the wife and the kids are stepping foot in that place. But if you gave them a brand new shiny toy and there were restaurants, facilities, toilets, and everything else, would those partners and children come? So how many people would you add to that matrix? So that was the importance of getting something shiny and new and, and the financial logic behind it per se. But I'm really, really confident. And look, coronavirus is going to go. And, you know, we're all going to move past it eventually. It's not going to be here forever. And we're going to live with it for now. And we're going to have to get on with it as a society. But our fans will be back in our stadium. And I've got no doubt in my mind, the appetite for live football, by the time they get back in the stadium, we'll be getting sellouts probably people would be so desperate to watch football you know everyone would be piling back in no matter no matter what the jacks look like or the bogs look like do you know what i mean they'll all be like piling them back in so 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 i i think you know the plans in place and the initiatives in place we're going to grow our fan base again and and darren darren ferguson made a really really good point the other day we were on the zoom call and we were talking about plan b abc plan armageddon everything uh, and the gaffer made a really, really valid point. I was quite surprised he was that smart. And he turned around and he said, he said um, you know, with everyone, there's a lot of people fearful out there. Can you imagine the amount of people that would normally travel to London to a match who might be quite fearful and think, fuck that, I'll stay at home with Peterborough and go see my local club instead of getting on a tube or a train or a bus to go to London with more crowds, to go into a big Premier League stadium with more crowds. Yeah. Fuck it, I'll go see Peterborough United, but there's only 7,000. It's probably safer. So he, yeah, he actually made the point. point. We, yeah. we, we, we could probably grab back maybe a small percentage of people that would usually leave town on a Saturday mm. and with a safety aspect and making them feel safer, come to posh. Do you know what I mean? So I, like, I, like the, right. I, like the positive, I like the positive spin on that. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, Fondo McLean just asked a question around attendances, just saying, bearing in mind that Posh always seem to have relatively low gates, is there potential that playing behind closed doors is a positive in terms of having a lesser impact on our club compared to others. So obviously we're losing slightly less in gate revenue than some of the... So, the so he, bigger he, here's your numbers. Usually season ticket money, we sell, what, February, March, April onwards. We bring in about a million quid in the budget. So right now we're about 300, 350 down on that. So, you know, which is quite substantial because obviously there's still people worried and whatever else. So we've already budgeted for that money. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's gonna, that impact's felt the end of this month in June. So if there's any fans out there who still have jobs and are still positive and still have money, we would implore them, not beg them, but implore them, buy your season tickets, support the club. Now, as regards to match day revenue, for 23 games in League One, I think we budget in the region of about, I want to say it's 1.3 million 
1.4 million. So in cash flow, that's not net profit because you've then got stewarding costs, everything else, and that's just ticket money. If you take, let's say for some reason, half of the games can't be played with crowds, take your calculator, divide that 1.3, take that out of our budget next year. Now, our, our budget already next year is a serious deficit because we've got all the PAYE deferrals, we've got the VAT deferrals, we've got the player wage deferrals. We've got all that shit that's coming down the pipe in July and August. You make no money in the summer. It's already horrific. And now this is all getting piled on top. So now you also take 11 home games out. It's, you're starting to see the picture, lads. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not a pretty picture. Um, so they're all the things you have to deal with. They're all the things while I'm fighting for our club and fighting for football to continue. So we'll get through it. We'll find a way. Um, and and me, and me and the partners are very united on that front. You know what I mean? That, look, you know, we'll come out of this strong. As a worst-case scenario, what's the potential of, the, of going into administration with the club? Yeah, we wouldn't do that. Um, you know, it's not something I'd ever want to do. It's not something Jason and Randy would ever want to do. If you, if you take that approach, what you do is it allows you to get rid of a lot of creditors that you owe money to, but none of the football creditors. So a lot of the big debts football creditors, you can't wipe that. So what you end up doing is you end up stuffing the guy who sells hot dogs in your car park. You know, you end up stuffing the, elect, the electrician, you know, who does work at the stadium. And I'm not sure we feel comfortable with that. You also have the stigma attached. You also have player assets that suddenly aren't as valuable. What message does that send to clubs when I'm saying, well, I want 100 million for Ivan Tony? Do you know what I mean? So we, we have to be very careful. What, what we do is, uh, uh, and I'm going to say this in the best possible way, we budget and we kick things where we can. We play it month to month and we do what we do as owners responsibly. Yes, we have to come up with money. Yes, we have to rob, beg, borrow and steal. I might have to sell another diamond watch. We do what we got to do. We play our trade. But what we don't ever want to do is give the impression that people are down on our arse because you can never sell from a position of weakness. So you always have to have a united front. And, and the three of us are strong on that. So, you know, the club would never go into administration. Not a chance. But Look, I, was throw, I, I was throwing that out there the other day. Not about us. I was trying to put it out there so the EFL can understand this is what could happen. There but could it will be a happen though, by other clubs. clubs. Of course there will. Go into, yeah, there's, already clubs, there's already clubs that will be having chats with accountants and administrators about the potential costs of it and how can they do it and making sure they still retain ownership after it's done. So it definitely will happen. Have you thought about a staggered opening? Because uh, a lot of businesses and schools are, are going to be doing a, a staggered opening. Is that something that could work in football, do you think? A certain age range, say, aren't allowed to come back initially. Is that something that would work, do you think? Look, all I wanted to do at the moment was get the first team back training. You know, we, we have that 49-page report with the training ground. It would have only been our first team squad and staff. We wouldn't have had Barry there. You know what I mean? And... and um, we wouldn't have had people, you know, we've had people on staff have had cancer. So there's no way I would have allowed them around the training ground, not to chance of hell, do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we all know that these athletes who've had coronavirus, and we've had a player who's had it, he didn't even know he had it, do you know what I mean? So it, it doesn't, we've had doctors' opinions, it doesn't really affect them, you know what I mean? They're out in the air, they're breathing fresh air, do you know what I mean? They've got strong lung capacity, so they're pretty much statistically, I know the argument about manslaughter and about whatever, the argument is it's not about the players in danger, it's about their families or their grandparents or, you know, partners. So that's a decision footballers have to make. Do I give up my career or do I move my most vulnerable grandparent into another house and still play because I have to earn a living? So that's something footballers are going to have to come to terms with, but that's a choice they have to make. But they can't expect to be paid to play football if they're not going to play football. So, so it's a completely different argument, but um, there's no way I would have had 
you know, anyone on our staff and Barry would have fought like tooth and nail to get there and be there, but I wouldn't want him there because he's had two heart attacks and he's 73. So, you know, and the data tells us that's not good, you know, if, if he got it. Um, so I think what will happen eventually is by the end of the summer, if we get back to playing, whether it's a staggered approach, I'm not sure. I think what you're going to see is most vulnerable, kept away, everyone else back to work. I know that um, there's so much unknown about this, but, but probably the, the most overwhelming question that we've had is what we touched on earlier. Obviously, we were given this amazing, exciting news about the new stadium and then coronavirus sure. happened. So obviously, understandably, lots of fans want to know what kind of impact we're likely to be looking at with that. Yeah, yeah, that was. Look, I'll, I'll let Jason and Randy go into that more. Um, but it's not a good impact for us. You know, we were about to buy our current stadium. We're, you know, obviously we we spent a lot of money on planning already and hired a company to work with us on the new stadium. Um, so you know that's not happening tomorrow. We haven't binned it. We're still planning. We still want to do it. It might be a year behind schedule. Um, but that's Randy's, you know, bag to to have a conversation about. He's on that more than I am every day. I've got enough of my crap to deal with when it comes to like footballers and contracts and modeling and budgets and you know what I mean? So we, we divide up our stuff quite well and, you know, and they also have their own business and I've been just working on, as you can see with the press and the stuff I've been doing, I've been kind of, you know, out there nonstop. So we all have our part to play uh, and, you know, the conversation about the stadium we're in, the stadium we want to build, I think that's, you know, that's a conversation that can wait because we've got more important stuff We've got hundreds yeah. of employees that we've got to figure out what we're going to do with. We've yeah, got absolutely. footballers, we've got to figure out what we're going to do with. So they're, they're the most important conversations right now, I think. Yeah, those are the and, and looking ahead yeah. to the summer, obviously it's going to be a really yeah. odd transfer market because there's going to be hardly any money about, but there's still money at the top of the game. Um, mm. Transfer-wise, I guess, was there any plans that are now had to take a back burner? And what can we expect in the summer with transfer? Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, myself, what I always tend to do around... March time, I go on holiday with my wife. And every year when I'm on holiday, I start working on a plan A and plan B budget. And then I send it to our CFO. And she'll then work off all of my, take this out, put this in, assume we're buying that player, assume we're selling that player. And she'll come up with a cash flow model for our new season that starts in July. So you've got July to May. And plan A is championship. And plan B is league one. So they're the two plans. And I had worked on that in Dubai when I was out there in March. And, you know, I worked with the gaffer and our, our scouting department and data analyst that if we were in League One again and we didn't win promotion via the playoffs, um, we were bringing in these, these, these and these players and we were letting go of these seven, eight, nine players, you know, that, you know, we felt we've a really good nucleus of the squad in League One. You see the team when we get into the debate on some of the players that you guys were talking about the other day. Um, you know, we go into that in detail. But <laughs> we were looking at it going, well, well, well what we got to do is, can we afford to buy Sammy Smoddicks in League One? Can we afford to sign Brownie, you know, permanently in League One? So I'm working that into a League One matrix budget. In the championship, we've got them all in there. You know, we're getting Schmollocks, we're getting Brown, we're, you know, we're signing a permanent. We're going to try and get Josh Knight from Leicester. You know, it's it's the championship. We can do this, you know. Ivan Tony's signing a new deal. That's the championship. You know, now in League One, Ivan Tony's getting sold because he wants to play in the championship but not higher. And we've got to then go and get replace him. So, and then we're working around the, the metrics of the younger players. So what I had to do there was I'd done the two budgets. They were all done. I then present them to the partners and then we dial them in. And then me, them and Darren will have a conversation. Usually what we do, we fly to Vegas in May or we fly to wherever with Barry and we sit in a room and we put up the different budgets and the targets. And this is the striker we want. That's target one and target two, three and four. But we don't get one and two. And that's what we did in Vegas last May. 
And then by the end of the, the three days we spent together or two days we spent together, we're like, right, that's the budget. That's the list. I now go to work and I do my bit now to go recruit the players and sell the players, work with pass. The manager obviously will have his input and this is how we're going to play. This is the target. This is what we want to do. So all of that's up in the air. It's up in the smoke because you got to carry over. So then obviously two weeks ago, I could see all of this and I was like, I've got to redo these budgets because that plan B, even if we're still in League One, that plan B budget, I'm, you know, I'm basically like that with it. You know, cutting right through fucking, you know, players left, right, and centre. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. there's no more bringing Sammy Schmodix in League One. <laughs> you know, there's no way that, you know, we could, with budgets and everything else, spend 750 grand on bringing him in in League One. Do you know what I mean? Financial, yeah. it's just not going to happen. Um, I'm not sure we can sign Brownie because of his wages at Huddersfield. So that's another one out. So now I'm going back through the list and we've gone on to. Can you understand what I'm up against? You know what I mean? What like, we're yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be a very uh, odd summer, I think, in football yeah, yeah. in general, isn't it? So, really so the, the only saving grace for us is we have assets and we have good assets and we don't sell cheap. And, you know, I joked about it speaking to Brentford the other day and whatever. There are clubs that are going to want Ivan Tony. And, of course, those clubs are going to come in and they're going to have their Vaseline in their hands and they're going to try and get me and they're going to try and, you know, do what they do best. and try. But, <laughs> but, but, but they're dealing with me and they're dealing with bats. And I understand the pandemic and I understand the finances. It doesn't mean Ivan Tony suddenly only worth three or four million quid. Because I also know that there's going to be clubs in the bottom half of the Premier League who won't shop foreign, will go domestic. Okay? They're not going to go and spend 20, 30 million after a pandemic's hit the UK. It's just not going to happen. So what they're going to do is some of those clubs are going to go, we've got to be careful here. So let's go and spend a lot less domestically. And who are some of the best domestic young players in the football league? So, you know, I, I'm confident on Ivan. You know, players like Dembele, Ricky J. Jones, you know, there's a host of Premier League clubs. So we're okay. What we don't want to have to do is sell three of them. You know, if Ivan Tony goes, Ivan Tony goes. And that leaves us with a really, even now with Plan B, that leaves us with a really, really good squad to have a good go at a title run. Do you know what I mean? And we, we've got already our replacements in mind. Darren, one of the questions I had for you um, was in regards to the scouting. I know that's a big thing sure. for you. you enjoy, I think you, sure. you do a lot of it yourself and you enjoy it. And when we mm-hmm. spoke to um, Aaron McLean, he said when he came into the club, um, he said you knew literally everything about him on and off the field. You knew, you knew the lot. I, I, I'm a data freak. So data for me is everything. And it's not just like physical data. It's mental data as well. It's knowing about has a player got a problem? Has a player had issues where he lives? You know, we when we signed Lee Tomlin, we knew we had to get him out of Leicester. You know, there were issues where he was his hometown, you know, influences. And we needed to get him to Peter and keep him there. So I'm a big believer in knowing someone's character. Now, it doesn't mean if I find out stuff about you, Jared, that you, you're wrong and you've made a few bad decisions, you've done this, I'll still judge you on merit. I'll still look at it and go, well, he's 21. He's been a silly boy at 18, 19, and 20. There's the reason Peterborough can get him and other clubs aren't going in for him. So now we've got to work our magic and, and shine this rough diamond and try and bring the best out of him as a human being, as well as a footballer. So that's something we look at with the data all the time. So, you, you know, you, it, will, it will be on my list and I'll say to the gaffer, I like him, I like the stats, I like the data, but he's a bit of a wrong. So there's a bit of a risk element involved and you're going to have to, you know, shine him up and make him grow up kind of thing. So we've always worked like that at Posh for years since I've been with the Young and Hungry policy. So it's, it's a massive part for me. It's really important. And just touching on that, when you've done all the work and, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously with your, with your staff as well, when you've got a player in the door and you know what they're like, you know they're going to be good for the club. And you have some idiots on podcasts slagging them off and saying that they're not going to be the player you think they are. I'm going to tee you up here, Darren. Um, 
<laughs> does, does that frustrate you as well, though? Because obviously, maybe we're not seeing what you what you do see. Yeah, it, it does frustrate me. And I'll give you an example. You guys were were piling the shit out of Christy Pym early in the season, <laughs> like absolute. Like you have to understand. And a goalkeeper since Joe Lewis, we haven't had a great goalkeeper at the football club. No disrespect to the previous ones, and. We had done, I'd done a lot of extensive work on Christie. And we knew over the last three seasons, statistically, one of the best young goalkeepers in the Football League outside the Championship. So here, here was the challenge with Christie. A couple of challenges. One was, it was a hell of a distance he was moving, you know, to come to Peterborough. So settling in, family, you know, girlfriend, everything else. And I think she's about to have a baby quite soon. Um, we knew he had all the talent, but we knew what we needed to get out of him and what to build around him. Now, Christy was probably used to playing in a team that wasn't maybe as offensive-minded as us, and that's always a really difficult one for a goalie come to Peterborough because our whole you know, emphasis is on scoring goals, right? So that means the goalie is going to be under his heart monitor, is going to be under duress a lot more than, say, the year before where he played. We knew his clean sheet record. We knew everything else, but we also knew shit. He's going to be in for a bit of a shock here because maybe at Exeter, he maybe had to make four saves a game, five saves a game. At Peterborough, he might need to make seven or eight. So, of course, it's going to take time to adjust. We're very confident in Christie. And even when he was making a couple of early errors, he made a couple of mistakes. The one sign for me which told me we got a really, really good goalkeeper was we didn't have a good start to the season. We had the Ipswich game at home, big crowd, big atmosphere. Five minutes into the game, he makes an absolute fucking error and basically gives them a goal. You remember it when he came for the cross and he missed it and whatever else and he scored. And I remember saying to Baz, we're going to see if this kid's got bollocks now. Because I'll tell you right now, he could go under here. Now we're going to see how mentally strong he is. And he made two or three unbelievable saves in that game. And we should have won that game. And it told me, yeah, we've got something to work with here. The other thing Christy would say himself is, there were times where he was probably carrying eight, nine pounds of weight. And as we all know, when your missus is pregnant, whatever else you can eat, and you eat well. Look at Jared, he's never recovered. Ah. Uh, <laughs> you, 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 you know, so, so you got like tiles that have to work with him. We've worked on his fitness program. And, and I do think he is the best young goalie in our league and at his age. And if you look at it, I think we've had the most clean sheets this season we've had in like seven, eight years. So that's not, that's not an accident, by the way. You don't, suddenly, you don't suddenly have a goalie who's joint for the Golden Gloves. You know, we, when was the last time we had a goalie that won the Golden Gloves? If, if the league has stopped today... Christy Pym gets the golden gloves with the other goalie. He's on with clean sheets. So when was the last time that happened? Now, in, re- in recent weeks, we've, we've had our hands up, especially Kisby, because he was the worst for us. Yeah, so, so, um, so you're, you're, you're basically, let me finish. So you're basically on a, on a podcast digging the shit out of him. I'm listening to it. And yeah, I, I can get frustrated. You know, like the other day, I was listening to you dismissing Ben Canu off. And where the problem is with you so-called experts is, you're all debating about Canu being a striker and whatever else. Can in the next season would be competition for Joe Ward at right wing back. In the formation we play, Canu, the manager, will develop into a right wing back. And he will be a frightening right wing back because he has power, pace, skill, ability. And with Joe Ward and him, they would be your two right wing backs, um, you know, plowing down that side. We understand Idris from 16. He was like that offensive striker player. But right now, we're looking at him as a different position. He's not one of our strikers. And he hasn't been this season. Do you know what I mean? He might have been played just as 10 or he's been played up there. But really, that's going to be his position. And even the manager said that. And the manager, I haven't seen him this strong on a player in a long time that he thinks he's going to be like top, top class. And his attitude, his ability. And don't forget, I think he just turned 19 or 20, didn't he? He was 20. 
So we bought him as a 16, 17-year-old. Um, we write players off a bit too quickly, and I'm guilty of that too. So you, you'll, be, you'll be pleasantly surprised Idris Khan, who does for us over the next couple of years. So Weren't a fan of the retain list then, Darren, huh? Well, somebody said something about Brown. They weren't that impressed with him. <laughs> Let me finish. I, I scratch my bollocks because <laughs> because ever since we ever since we put Taylor and Brown together as a centre midfield partnership, we're the best team in League One. And the one game the gaffer fucking drops Brown is what game, gentlemen? Come on, experts. Trust, what game? Trust me, we're not what experts. Game? To be fair, we've never we never claimed to be experts. That's uh, sure. uh, right. Okay. So let me tell you right now because I'm a stats man. We had won five in a row, six in a row, whatever it was. And the one game, after winning all those games in a row, Gaffer changed up the midfield partnership was Fleetwood away. Yeah. Everyone remember? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah what was the result? Yeah. We lost, didn't we? Right, right. So basically, Brown and Taylor together haven't lost a game of football. I think we've just had our arse handed to us. I think but, that's what it's called. Um, I, think, I think the thing is, though, fans are always going to have opinions, aren't they? And if you get five fans... To. If you get five, to. If you get five fans together, they're going to have five different opinions on the same listen, player. Listen, so we're, I think we're, we're all like that. We're all like, hey, owners have opinions. Everyone has opinions. You know, me, me and my partners will argue over, you know, what do you think of him and this and that, whatever else. And that, that's the beauty of the game. The game's about opinions. The great mm. thing is, none of our opinions matter. It's the fucking manager. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it, it, it doesn't really matter what we think. It doesn't matter if I don't like a player or I love a player. That bollocks meant me picking the team. Listen, Darren Ferguson picks who he wants to pick. Like, I've just told you there, he's rang me the night before the Fleetwood game. So, no, yeah, I'm, I'm taking Brown out. I'm putting Josh in because we need more physicality. And I'm like, oh, Gaffer, I'm a stats man. We've won six in a row. We've demoralized Ipswich away. Why on earth would you fuck with that midfield? We've been waiting for a central midfield. That's strong forever. What are you doing, you cunt? Uh, and, and, you know, <laughs> and the gaffer would be like, well, you know, I, I, this is what I think will get us a result. So I basically bite my lip. We get beaten. And I, afterwards, I go, you're the biggest prick in the world. Why did you do that? Because <laughs> before, you know, before, but... before we move on to the next question, Matt, um, just going off the back of that, so when you've brought in other managers in the past, um, obviously, I think, I can't remember if it was Jim Gannon or not, but say like star players, I remember like Mikhail Smith and, and Ryan Bennett not being favoured by the managers you brought in. How do you deal with that from that? Because obviously you don't pick the team, you've said that, and we know that. Confront- confrontationally. Like, I, I had a big fallout with Gary Johnson over Kelvin Langmead and Ryan Bennett. Now, I, I'd spent 500 grand on Ryan as a 19-year-old, and the data told me he was going to be a superstar. And I knew Gary Johnson didn't like young players. And I knew when he brought in Calvin, no disrespect to Calvin Langmead, but you're talking about a Lamborghini and a Ford Sierra. It's, it's like, you, you, you know, one's 19, 20, he's going to play at the top, and the other one's probably a lower league journeyman. So I'm watching us concede goal, five goals away at Bournemouth, goals here and there. And I'm watching my Lamborghini sat on the bench, not being picked. And I'm having meetings and saying to all the staff, what are you doing with Ryan Bennett? He's an asset to the football club. I'm not saying you got to play him, but you got to give him a chance. We're losing 5-0 and you're still not playing him. So I'll always have that opinion. And in the end, I was right, I guess, on Ryan Bennett, right? So um, the other one, Craig McHale-Smith, again, Gary came in, Gary being Gary, and I have a lot of respect for him because he likes to have his own dressing room. He brought a target man in, Hibbert, that summer. And I think his idea was he, he wanted Hibbert in the team. And the whole Mac attack thing drove him out a bit. There was a bit of that there that they weren't his players. And Craig is one of those guys who goes into his shell. If you hammer Craig Michael Smith, he's already a very bad trainer. Brilliant in match day, awful trainer. They're going to tell you that. Craig couldn't train to save his life. Couldn't be bothered in training. But he's a professional, but he's just not very good in training. I don't mean he doesn't try. He's just not great. But he comes alive on match day. And Gary Johnson would ring me moaning every day about Craig Michael Smith. Every day moaning about him. 
Um, Jim Gannon, same thing. Didn't fancy Craig. Barry was trying to sell him to Watford, I think it was. It was it Watford or Reading? I was bringing my son to karate and I got a phone call to say they were at a train station. He was on his way to Reading or Watford. I can't remember who it was. When we were getting relegated from the championship. And I said to Barry, get in your fucking car and get home. He ain't going anywhere. Because again, I saw the value in Mikhail Smith. And even when Gary Johnson was there, I knew Craig was going to have a season of his life and we were going to get big money. And what happens? He ends up winning player of the year, golden boot, and we get three million from, from Brighton. So sometimes as a chairman, you've got to stand your ground. Absolutely. Um, Kisby, if you ask that last question, then we, I know Darren don't want to be here all day. We're struggling for time. Yeah. The last one. Well, I'm going to get into the desk for this, just so you know. Uh, you were Marcus Madison's biggest fan. Was it disappointing to see his time at the club come to an end like it did? And as a follow-up question, is there any way Marcus Madison could still sign a new contract? Well, the follow-up answer would be no. Um, not a chance. Uh, and I wouldn't offer him a new contract. I was his biggest fan. I put up with a lot of shit for a lot of years at Marcus. Um, one of my biggest disappointments. I've signed a lot of talented players. Um, with his ability, he should have been playing a lot higher, a lot quicker. And we finally got him in a position where he had a great half of the season. We were going to get some good moves from him. We had serious money on the table. And he basically gave me nothing but heartache and cost us money. And that just absolutely ripped the shit out of me because of the amount of crap I'd put up with for years. I'd gone to bat for him. I'd been there for him when he was at a low. I'd backed him. Um, yeah, so what can I say? He couldn't say anything negative about me because there's nothing I haven't tried to do for that kid for like five years. You know, including making him our highest paid player, giving him the best contract, backing him, defending him against fans, defending him against previous managers. Do you know what I mean? His ability should have got him a lot further. But I don't know when the penny will drop at Marcus because he's not stupid. Do you know what I mean? But just sometimes he does things where you just think his IQ is in the single digits. But it's not. Do you think he's and, poorly and, advised and his career's been poorly advised? Or do you think it is his decision? I, 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 I think he's an enigma. I think he's a strange kid. Um, I think, you know, he, he, he sometimes he just doesn't quite realise it. His agents definitely didn't help when there was two of them involved. Um, he wanted a move. I got him two great moves. He then didn't want to go up as a geography. Um, he thought he was going to Middlesbrough on a free. We rang Middlesbrough wouldn't touch him with a bar spot. So we, we passed that message on. I rang him. I finally convinced him to talk to a club. He did it. Then his agent got silly with the terms. I went through all that in the YouTube video I did. But um, he blew a move. So my last and final move was I knew McCann wanted him. I knew Hull weren't going to spend that kind of money that we were going to get. I was flying to Dublin to do a speech at a previous school dinner, um, a reunion dinner. So I rang Barry and I said, get on to Hull. Tell them they can have him. But they got to give us a six-figure loan fee. And we got 250 grand or whatever it was. Not quite the money I'd agreed to sell him for. And I said, but I also want a caveat in there that if he does do the business and they sign him for free in the summer, we get another extra few hundred grand and a seller. So that was the best I could do. That was my final. I'd, I'd left that up my sleeve to like nine hours before the deadline, knowing McCann would have him all day long. So uh, I'd worked all through January. You can ask my wife in England. I'd had more meetings, more phone calls. Madison himself spoke to his agent, threatened his agent, had him on the phone. <laughs> Um, the whole shebang had got an unbelievable deal with two different clubs. As it turns out, Charlton were an embargo. We didn't even know. Um, but I had another option for him. And, um, you know, that was someone he'd mentioned he'd go. And then suddenly it became about money and contracts. So it was a really frustrating process. In the end, he moved on. He's gone. So that's it. That's Marcus Madison. 
just going back to the um, your co-owners, how's your relationship with the co-owners? Was it difficult welcoming him to new partners into the club? Yeah, it was. It was a difficult one in in a way of um, I'd never really expected their partners, and I haven't had partners, so but I was pleasantly surprised. And um, you know, they're two very different guys, uh, but it's worked really well. I should and, imagine they compliment you quite well because you yeah. are all very different characters, aren't you? Correct. The best compliment I can give them probably is is that. They, they let me get on with what they think I'm good at. And I let them get on with what they're good at. And we don't really question. Uh, they've never once questioned me on a signing. Like, you know, I've rang them up and I've said, look, I've done a deal for that player. Brilliant. When are they coming in? You know what I mean? They've, they've never turned around and gone, why are we signing that player? And did it there and did it there. And there's no, there's no finger pointing. And that's good in a partnership. Because you're not always going to be entirely happy with each other. Do you know what I mean? And there's no perfect relationship. But finger pointing is always a concern. Because it's the blame game, isn't it? And the one thing I don't think our partnership has is any blame game. Um, you know, there's a lot of mutual respect. And we're all very, very different animals. Although Jason would probably say me and Randy are very similar. You know, we are very different animals. Um, you know, the three of us. So our intentions are good. You know, we want only good things um, for the football club. And look, you, the fans, you're in good hands with these two guys. Can you ever see a time where it is just those two and you sort of have phased yourself out, so to speak? Um, or is it a case of now you're, you're more excited to be part of the posh than you were, say, two, three, four years ago? Yeah, I, I don't think I'll be there forever. Um, you know, I have to say this has worn me down uh, mentally. Um, you know, but I'm, I can be a soppy sod like that when things can get to me. Um, so I couldn't answer definitively, no. I, there could be a possibility it would be the two of them. You know, Peter be United, which would be fine. The club would be in great hands. Uh, and I'm not the type of guy that would leave without putting a plan in place for them on recruitment and data. That's not happening today. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it, this has worn me right into the ground, you know, fighting for this. So um, I need to lick my wounds. I probably need a holiday and a break instead of being locked in my house with my kids, you know what I mean, the last eight weeks. And, um, you know, and, and, and ready to go again. And I need football back on because I'm, I'm like a vampire. You know, like football is my blood. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, without football, I'm just, I'm hiding in the shadows. And it's kind of like, I want to get out. I want to, I want to have football again. And I want to be signing players and I want to be selling players. And I want to build on what we have. We've got a great squad with some really good young players. And, but listen, as regards to the long-term health of the club, you've got, in Randy, you've got somebody who will 1 million percent deliver on the stadium stuff. In Jason, you've got somebody who will 1 million percent put an academy in place, the best we haven't seen for years. And, in both of them, you've got people who, it's not just financial, success is also true promotion and, and getting the club higher up. So, you know, I feel really, probably two of my best signings because I brought in like-minded people and really good people. Because you've seen some real wrongings in football come in and buy into football clubs and you've seen partnerships go up and fire and smoke and fights and look at Charlton. And I, I haven't had that at Peterborough with my partners and I'm very in touch with it and I'm very fortunate I haven't had that. So, yeah, so that, that's where we are right now today. When we had uh, Jason and Randy on on the podcast, um, they were genuinely lovely blokes, really, you know, really friendly. Yeah. But we asked we asked them that question. A lot of Posh fans had asked it, whether when they brought in, it was agreement between you three that you were going to slowly phase out. And we did ask sure. the question, and we got met with a very stern answer from both of them. And listen, they were laughing and joking, but when that question got asked, it was a straight, listen, no. And that's not the case. They don't want it to be the case. You've, you're, you're the football man and that's how it's going to stay. Sure. Look, you know, at the end of the day, I'm okay at my job. 
And, you know, and, and, and my job's the football side. And some fans will disagree with that and whatever else and disagree with how I run the football side of the club. But I think I'm okay at it. And that's my role in the club is to get the football side right and make sure that we've got a manager who plays the right way. Make sure that we, with the youth that we're investing in, that we've got those young players given a chance. And, you know, that they're all the little different things that, that fall in in my remit. Um, and, and I love being involved in football. Um, and I know they both of them, look, all three of us have taken an absolute kicking during this pandemic. You know what I mean? Like in various ways. And I'm sure that they'll be honest that they've woken up some mornings going, Jesus, what's the point with this? Do you know what I mean? Like I would have. But I think mentally we've all been at that point as, as human beings. I'm sure you guys have struggled sometimes getting out of bed in the mornings with what's going on in the world. I, so, I always so, struggle I, getting out of bed, to be honest. I can you. see that. I can see that. I can see that <laughs> in your face. But but, but I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm like Mr. Super Positive. And, you know, you can ask anyone around me. I, I'm not that guy who's in a bad mood. And even if I have a row, I call you names. I'm all right with you half an hour later. So, uh, you know, and even I have been, I, I have, I've got out of bed a couple of mornings and I'm like, geez, stick the dressing gown on and just sitting, you know, front of my computer i've been a bit like that you know so i had to give myself a bit of a talking to and snap the fuck out of it you know what i mean and you know there were people dying and you're fucking moping feeling sorry for yourself so sometimes you have that that conversation so what i'm trying to say is this has given me a greater understanding of mental health you know and, and the issues people go through and i've got a couple of young guys that work for me one in the, uh, the data analytics department he works for me only and he's struggled i hired him because he's had issues in his life and, you know, I've had to check on him through this and make sure he's okay and whatever else. And his dad emailed me the other day saying, thank you so much, you know, looking after my son. He's at a real rough time. And, you know, I feel for people like that because I can only imagine if they were like before, never mind what's going on now, it's, it's even worse. And, and mental health is just something we can't help. It's there. You know, it, it is the way it is. So, but yeah, sorry to get deep and, and philosophical. You know what I mean? No, um, just before we wrap it up, um, a couple of, Listener questions. I'll kick it off. Um, Rob Green has asked, uh, well, just relates to what you said. Um, you said that you would leave if you didn't get promoted. Is the coronavirus thing pushed you further down that route that you, you're thinking about it? He always also added that you're the best chairman in football. We'd lost to AFC Wimbledon. We'd had 20 shots in the last 20 minutes and lost 1 0. And I remember with Schmodix just signed. And it was this season, it was back in January. And I remember yeah. getting in the car. Uh, my driver was waiting for me. I jumped in the car and there were tears in my eyes. We, we'd like had a real shit run with all these injuries and I was just like, what am I doing here? I've signed all these players. I've put together this squad. What the fuck is going on? This team should be absolutely killing people. And Wimbledon had just like knocked the stuffing out. I think they only had one shot and goal and beat us, you know, one nil. And we'd slipped down to, I think, 10th um, because of a shit Christmas. And I felt so confident about getting in the playoffs. I still felt really confident. I went on and I put out a tweet that I'm so confident in our players that if we don't make the playoffs, I will resign as chairman. I think that's what I said. Yeah. So if if now there's a bunch of other people voting to throw <laughs> us out of the playoffs, I'll happily stand down and I'll become please El Presidente. I'll become El Presidente. You know? <laughs> so, but, you know, some fans actually pulled me on that on Twitter recently. Can you believe in a pandemic? We're like ending the season points per game and not going to stay out. Some fans are like, are you going to stick to your word what you said in January? Like, 
Fuck me. If you've got nothing going on in your life, you're going to pull up that like... Yeah, why didn't you plan for that eventually? Oh, my God. Should have known, Darren. Tim, you've got a few more on the red. Yeah, just to pick pick a couple of these, Darren, so we're not taking too much of your time. Paul Cashman says, um, obviously, we've had some great games, uh, things like Huddersfield Palace in terms of ups and downs, but but what's your favourite game in your time at Bosch that you remember? Uh, Probably a few of them. The Ipswich 7-1. That was a you know big day. Um, Tomlin was good in yeah. that, wasn't he, Dara? Wow! Uh, I mean, wow! Anybody who doesn't think Lee Tomlin is like one of our best ever players, that they, they need to. Well, Stevie Wonder needs to lend him the cane. <laughs> well, I got outvoted on that. I tried to get him in, but into the greatest eleven. Wow. Uh, another game would be the MK semi-final. We know that Huddersfield was massive, and um, one of my favourites is Colchester away, and um, that one nil. Uh, Charlie Lee celebrating promotion on the pitch. You know, when MK had like 19 minutes or something left to play. Um, that was that was massive. I have to say, there's been a lot of great... My, my biggest regret has been, in all my time as chairman, we've never had a good cup run in the FA Cup or League Cup. We've won the we've won the checker trade. And that was brilliant. I wanted that trophy. I wanted it there at Wembley. We did it. So it was like tick on the list. But we've, we've never knocked out a Premier League team with me as own. Mm-hmm. And that like irritates me when you see some of the surprises through the rounds and the you know they rest players these teams don't usually rest players against us that's the problem every time we pull up into town it's like well it's peter but they score loads of goals we better play like some strong players in there well it was one of the questions i was going to ask actually is what is your biggest regret in your time would that be the answer to that that would be your yeah that 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 um the palace day and you know firing the gaffer after that you know like a year later after we nearly did the double when we won the checker trade and we lost late in orient and what I should have done was probably we got rid of a lot of good players. I didn't give him the best squad and I backed the squad instead of him. And what I should have said was at the time when we lost MK 3-0 away, was it 3-0? Yeah. I should have come out, I should have come out and said, you know what? All of this lot are gone in the summer. I'm keeping the manager and I'm going to give them new toys. Because you know what? This lot have let them down. And I should have been strong and should have like, you know, that was the right thing to do instead of firing him. And, and, and what I should have said to him was, look, we've got 10 games left. Recharge your batteries mentally. You know, let's get to the end of the season. We'll build your new squad in the summer. And that's what I should have handled. So that's another regret. I think just Darren touching Parker's on is, is the right manager for us. I think we've, we don't agree on much on this show, but we do all agree on that. We all think that Darren Focus is right for this club. Um, and, and, and he's had success with this club. And I can never Absolutely. understand. I mean, I, I disagree with most people, but I can never understand why people don't think that. Because we just think he's, a, he's, he's so right for us as a club. He is. He's made for our club. He's top class. He's a great human being. Um, he lives near the club. His family are like, you know, really, really happy in the area. He's great with young players. He's great with older players. He's got better with time and maturity. He's gone away and won a promotion elsewhere. Um, he's come back. When I was bringing him in, I said to Jason and Randy, this is your guy. You're going to love working with him. And I think they both agree he's like easy to work with. He, he's a real pleasure to work with. And um, I'm, I'm gutted for him because he was like bouncing on Sunday, Monday, thinking we're going back to training. And, you know, and I still have another call into that in one tip. Do you know what I mean? So, um, you know, because he just wants to finish it out and get that next promotion on the CV. Um, silly fucker should have had us a few more points. Up the table, <laughs> <laughs> you touched on, um, <laughs> you touched on Selhurst, Selhurst Park then that day. Oh, oh, so this yeah. is a depressing day enough as it is. But uh, we did a podcast yeah. recently with Jamie Jones about it. And uh, yeah. me and Jamie both said that we reckon... Um, 
there's a good chance we'd still be in that we would still be in the second tier now if that day would have gone differently. Well, what's your take See, on that? My take is that we were we were seconds away from a phenomenal three or four year stretch because we would have had Gale. We were signing the Sambalonga that summer. We had Elite Tomlin that was in his prime. Um, we had some. We we would have we would have had a real chance because of being in that form from January to to the summer. I think we were top four, and I think if we carried that momentum into the next season and adding a Sambalonga to Gale, I think we would have had a chance at the top eight. And yeah, it's scary. When me and the Gaffer talk about it all the time. It's scary what we could have done as a smaller club per se. And uh, that was just, yeah, it was all those dreams were just ripped away from us, yeah. was heartbreaking. Just grab one more of these listener questions if we can. So Andy Davis says, um, who do you think is the best signing other than Ivan Tony that Posh have made in your time at the club? Obviously, you can't That's include just... uh, Big X in that either because he naturally sits up there as one of the best. Just, do you know what? I don't think we've got an error. So, you know, there's been so many uh, good signings. Look, we've made some terrific signings. If I talk about the current bunch, um, the next generation, um, yes, Ivan's one of the best. I think Jack Taylor's going to be one of the best. Yeah, I think absolutely. he is a. Fi- I think he's a phenom. I think he's going to be as good as we've seen in central midfield. An absolute um, steal as well for the. He is. Uh, listen, absolute bargain. I knew that, and that's why we wanted him in the summer. We would have won the league by March if we got him in the summer. I agree. I'm I'm yep. uh, if we got Schmodex and him in the summer, like we had bid and we'd had bids accepted, and we couldn't get the deals done, if we got them in, we would have won that league by the end of March. And they I were missing pieces of the jigsaw, that. weren't they? Correct. Absolutely. We knew what we needed. Uh, I'll, I'll take the blame. I couldn't land the central midfielders we needed. I we had nine different options. I tried everything in my power. Schmodex the same. You know, I'd done a double deal for Kent and Schmodex. Bristol City came in, and once Bristol City are in, you, I'm sorry, we just can't compete. So, if I'd landed them two, we would have had that league title by the end of March. Um, so it is what it is. That's football. It's full of regrets. Um, but I think Taylor is going to be a steal. I think um, I think if 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 Ricky gets a run, I think he'd be as good as any youth player we've produced um, with his pace. I think he's got everything. I, I love Frankie Kent. I think his personality is brilliant. I think he is. Um, I think you'll see uh, Frankie Kent will be three times better next season, and he was already re- you know becoming one of our best defenders. So um, you know, Dems the managers converted Dems into a striker, which is something we planned in preseason. And it took a while to get there because he didn't really want to convert into a striker. And then when he realised the only way he was getting in that formation was playing as a striker. You know, when I say striker, that's second he's, striker. He's been a out. revelation for me because at the start which, of the season that he was decidedly average. And at the which, towards the yes, back, correct. Then, brilliant, absolutely that, brilliant. That's, that's on him, though. That's on him. We told him in the summer, we think you can be a 20-goal-a-season striker. We think you can terrify teams running at them. And it doesn't always have to be in the wing and you hold the ball and take it home. We were trying to explain to him, look, we need you to play up here. And he didn't really want to play up there. If you asked the boy himself, he'd be really honest. He, he wants to be a winger. And we were trying to even, I said it to him, championship teams and League One teams don't really play with wingers. So you're talking yourself out of a career higher up. You're going to have to adjust to being a 10 or a second striker. You're going to have to learn at the playing positions. So I kept saying this to Marcus. They don't play 4-4-2 really in the championship. Do you know what I mean? They don't really do it anyhow. You, you have to evolve as a player. Boyd evolved as a player. Tomlin evolved as a player. McCann evolved as a... They evolve with positions. So we always said to them as we'd analysed them, he would be an unbelievable player, striker or five opponent. So when the penny finally dropped and after he'd made that stupid mistake at Lincoln and the gaffer did what the gaffer does best, 
and he got him back in the team and he played him there. He was terrorized. Him and Schmodocks were fucking, with their 12 miles a game they'd run, were absolutely like frightening the life out of teams. I mean, frightening the life out of teams. Dembele with his, with his pace and his low centre of gravity as well. League one defenders ain't got a chance against him and it's amazing to see. I, I, I could have I sold him on deadline day for, and he'd only come back in the team and played, I think, four games, three games. I could have sold him for two and a half million up front like that, on deadline day. Wow. Easy peasy. Glad yeah, you didn't now, easy, though. Easy. No, no, absolutely, because I think he could be a superstar. Um, you know what I mean? And don't forget, he only came into the league via the Nike Academy to Grimsby for like a year. Yeah. And then he joined us for a year. So he's played league football for basically 28 months. Yeah, so, I know Aaron McLean you know, was proper was, raving about him, wasn't he? Aaron McLean, when uh, we had listen, a sing his praises high enough. Dembele has got all the attributes to be whatever he wants. So the next generation of posh team is Ricky J. Jones, the Dembele's of the world. You've got Taz Deemer. You've got some real young talent. Uh, and don't give up on Serhat either. You know, he's another one of our data reel that we felt really confident when we signed him as an 18. He's 19, lads. 19, mm. for fuck's sake. And you want to, like, throw him out the door. Um, he's, got, he's got all the tricks in his armory. What Serhat has to realize is, is that you've got to work harder when you're in the football league than when you're non-league. And when the penny drops, and Serhat now watches... Um, Sammy Schmodox run 13 miles in a game or 13 clicks, Serhat realises why he has to put to his game as well as the flair. And the other one that's going to be a dark horse, and I'll have a bet with you, we see him possibly as being like a Schmodox type player playing 10 or second striker is Flynn Clark. So yeah, I, I, play, yeah. we, we are collectively very, very, and we're very excited because he's not a big time Charlie. He's another one of this batch of young players that we think Flynn could be as good as any of them because he's got a great mentality, a great work ethic, and he's got all that talent. So you put that together. But sometimes you get youth players and they have it all, but they don't have the cojones. Do you know what I mean? To make that step in and, and, and be amongst men and play games and whatever. But this kid does. And him and Ricky were a great partnership in the youth team. To me, appreciate your time today. And like yeah, I say, yeah. you, you could have pulled now, out, but you didn't. Um, listen, so, listen t- tell the truth. Tell the truth. One question for you all. Because I know, I know Jason will be listening and, you know, he likes to, he jizzes in the pants over this podcast and you boys and whatever else, <laughs> you know, was, was, was the level of excitement for interviewing me a little bit higher there? Come on, tell the truth, all right? I'll be honest. A little, come I'll on, come on, there was butterflies in the stomach, boys, the wasn't le- there? The level of intrepidation was higher, I think. The level of... Oh, were you more frightened? We were fearing it, yeah. We were all shitting ourselves because we knew you'd just come out of this EFL meet and we thought, dear God, he's either going to eat us all alive and just give us nothing or he's going to run and no it's been brilliant no it's been absolutely brilliant no 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 that's fine listen an absolute pleasure I hope you and your families are all good and uh, you know thanks for all what you do and your support guys regardless of your opinions and difference on football that's football but we're all the same about the football club we all love it so you know that's the important thing and uh, look after yourselves need anything you know where I am Andrew, please keep please. at it as well, because as Pox fans, we do appreciate what you're doing. I can yeah. see you're, you're, you're knackered, trying. but please keep I'm at trying. it. <laughs> All right, lads. Cheers. Take care. All All right, right, see you soon. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Yellow Block. And a big thanks to Darren McCantney for joining us. Thanks to the contributors, everyone who's asked the question. Sorry if yours didn't get read out. Um, Darren's quite pushed for time at the end. Uh, we've been on Talk Sports shortly. And you can follow us on Twitter at The Yellow Block. Like us on Facebook, Facebook forward slash The Yellow Block. And tune in next time on iTunes, Acast and Spotify.
We do like to ask the owners what they think of Jared's wallpaper. That's the sort of first. Do you know what, J- Jason like Neal ripped the shit out of this. <laughs> Listen, the question I'd say is, who put it up? Did your missus choose it or did you? No, missus. Well, then it's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> he, know how it, he knows how it works. Right, let's crack on. Correct. Correct. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.